How does winning over $1 million in prizes sound? Hi, Kevin Draves from The Howl, Timberwolves Radio Show here, and Rode Microphones wants to help you do just that. My Road Reel, the world's largest short film festival, just launched for 2018 with over $1 million in prizes available. Want to enter? Go to www.road.com slash myroadreel and follow four easy steps. You download the starter pack, create your short film, make a BTS, and submit. It's as simple as that. Contest closes July 31st. For more info and rules, visit road.com slash myroadreel. Road, studio quality, easy accessibility since 1967. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet and Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com, as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the give the ball to cat of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves, to my right is Aaron Wolves in Six, Groshong, the producer of the show. Usually we are also joined by Rob B. Aggressive Hess, but he has ditched us tonight to be at Target Center for Game 4. Tonight's first quarter is the latest we have ever done a review and preview segment, and boy does it feel good. We will recap the first two home games in 14 years for the Timberwolves and look ahead to the upcoming games. Second quarter tonight is our talker segment. Here we will take a quick peek at NBA and WNBA news, as well as look in at the current playoff picture in the East and the West. 
Thanks for listening to The Howl, and in the words of the immortal Sid Hartman, you became a genius overnight. Quarter one of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is where we break down the Wolves week that was, take a look to the games ahead, but we are going to spend some special time today taking the two Wolves playoff home games, uh, the first two in 14 years, uh, and taking a, a in-depth look at those games, if you will. Yeah, man, I, I tell you what, everybody here that's a Wolves fan, I know you're listening to us because we're the number one Wolves show, let's face it, this is where you want to be if you're a Wolves fan. Yep. Target Center was rocking for game one. The team came out, played the best game I've seen all season. What a time to do this. The defense was there. The offense was there. Everybody showed up to the party. Jimmy Butler knocks down four three-pointers. The Wolves look great in the beat the Rockets in game three, 121, 105. And what's cool is after the game, you know, you get quotes from Butler. You know, I tell everybody all the time, as long as you're in the rhythm, no matter if somebody's in front of you, it's a good shot for you because we think you can make it. And and that's what they looked like. They looked like a confident shooting team. They were catching in rhythm shots. The ball was moving around the best I've seen it in a long while. A fantastic, fantastic effort in game three by the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, here's the thing, Aaron. If you ask people where they were the last time the Wolves were in the playoffs back in 04, I mean, most people will will tell you, you know, I was in, you know, some form of school, high school, middle school, elementary school, what have you. That's Uh, why we do the Howell Hardwood history in the fourth quarter. Exactly. But a lot of I mean, a lot of people were incredibly young and don't really remember and, and don't remember the 14 years of feebleness that followed. Uh, I was 13 years old. You know, I, I remember the games, but I don't remember much. And, um, you know, becoming a, a, a big Wolves fan, you know, over the over the years here, this wasn't a game I, I was going to miss. So shout out to Rob Hess, the, uh, the, the Jack, the Jack of all trades, hot Rob uh, for for bringing me on Saturday night. It was the atmosphere was unlike anything I've seen in Wolves basketball in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was great for the city. It was great for the team to see. And not only that, but it was great for the Wolves to perform and to play well and to, to you know, get dirty and, and, you know, hit your threes and, and cat coming back with a good game and, and Teague and Butler and, and Derek Rose all playing phenomenal and uh, jiggly man, you know, coming to center court and speaking uh, was great. It was freaking great. Um, you love that guy. I do. And, you know, like just kind of the, the, the mixture of, of old and new, you know, kind of, you know, embracing the past and looking forward to the future of this team. And, and it was it was a great atmosphere. Got my howl towel and the Wolves got a win. And it was it was a lot of fun. Sounds like you made a memory. My favorite memory of that night, though, was I went out to a local downtown bar oh, after the game to celebrate with my buddy and of other other Wolves fans. 
And uh, I'm at said bar, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a fluorescent green coat kind of streak by me a little bit. Really? Now, the ADD in me went, ooh, green coat. And so I had to look, regardless of who it actually was. Yes. But I look over, and who do I see? Paris Hilton. I wish, but no. James Harden. Interesting. And right behind him, PJ Tucker. Guys, somebody have your back. There was, and there was a couple other members of their entourage. Okay. But James Harden is a lot taller than I actually really like pictured him to be. Yeah, like, I mean, you're 6'5", right? I'm 6'5". So were you eye to eye with him? He's taller than me. Woo! And that's really weird for me to believe because, I mean, I see him on TV. I see him from the second level. He's I see strong. him. He's He just he looks smaller than me. And you get up close to him. Like, I'm, I'm the same size, I feel, as P.J. Tucker. Like, P.J. Tucker and I are the same size, but James Harden is taller than me. And I'm not sure I like that. He's a good basketball player. He really is. And he, he, looks, he looks like a good dude. And I actually, I kind of waved to P.J. Tucker, and he kind of looked over at me and kind of, you know, did, did he like bark a little at like, head nod. He didn't, no, I didn't say anything. Oh. I was respectful. You let the eyes speak. I'm a respectful fan. Okay, good. I'm not, I'm not one of those jabronis, if you will. Oh, you're a jabroni. I'm not a jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, Kevin, let me dive into the box score here because I want to dissect a bit of the 121-105 Wolves victory. You had five players that really stood out. Wiggins with 20, Towns with 18, Teague 23, Butler is the high man at 28, and Rose on the bench with 17. You know, throw a bucket on Rose and Towns? You're talking five players that scored 20 or more points in the game. All, you know, the, the team as a collective shot 50%. Butler 10 for 19, Rose 8 for 16. The effort from Rose on the defensive end is exactly what this team needs he's really became our top guard one two defender he's even guarding some three sometimes he's very strong he's not the tallest guy in the world but he's just very strong and aggressive with his body he's not willing to jump in there and his Pick and roll defense. I like it. I think he's playing some good basketball right now. It's showing up in the boss court. It's showing up in the games. Taj Gibson, a very quiet night. You want to see what he's up to? One one from four, one of four from the field. Two points. Four rebounds. Twenty five minutes. Let me let me let me stop you there. Okay. Because yes, Taj was quiet on the stat sheet, but Taj Gibson, the defender. Taj Gibson, the role player, the glue guy, had a phenomenal night. He did. And he played very well. He's not going to get his buckets like everybody else wants him to, but he played very well in this game, in my opinion. That's good. And I'm not arguing with you, Kevin. I just telling you the box score from what I saw watching the game, and you were at the game. He's, guy's working his ass off. I mean, he's not getting a rebound, but guess what? He's getting a tip that leads to a rebound, or yep. he's getting the seal on the one guy. Boxing out well. That you had to get to get the rebound. Now, let's fast forward to Monday night at Target Center. This is game four. This is another critical game in the series. The Wolves fans are riding a high after the game three victory. And the Rockets 
are still in town. Kevin just seen Harden in the Aurora jacket. Things are feeling good because now they have the Aurora colored howl towels out yep. there. I tried to get Rob to steal me one, but he wouldn't. Well, I don't know if it's stealing if they're left on the floor after this one. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Le- I, I might leave my. I didn't behind. mean that. I didn't mean that. It was just too easy. Okay. <laughs> We're frustrated. <laughs> Let's go into the game. A great start. The first quarter. We talked in the first quarter as the game was happening. This is a great pace. We're keeping the Rockets low scoring. Yep. You know, we ended the quarter fine. I told, you know, I say this a lot when it comes to playoff games. The final two minutes comes down to execution of quarters, halves, what have you, in the game. It's so important. And that goes without saying, but it really is, right? And we did we did a fantastic job. First quarter, second quarter, everything was looking good. And then the the third quarter hit. 50, I mean, 50. What, it are was, calling, what are we calling that barrage? Like the, the, you know, the Vikings have 44. Is it 41 donut? Yeah, 41 donut. The, the half century slack shellacking. The 50 cent piece. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I like it. Hey, Kevin, it. It was historic. It Half really dollar was. hardened. Oh, that sounds like a great like pancake brunch <laughs> treat. <laughs> I could go to I could go to Keys right now and go crushing some. Oh, I could totally go for Keys right now. Uh-huh. Their cinnamon rolls are delicious. <laughs> All right, we're getting hungry in the Whew. den. It's, okay. it's getting late for sure. Third um, quarter, fifty points. The fifty piece. Did they start out on an eight zero run too? That was the thing. Like, oh yeah, we. Or did it hit 11? No, it was, 11 it was Yeah, it was some absurd number of a run to start the game. The Wolves down one at halftime. You and I are sitting here really super confident based off of the first half. The Wolves played well. The Rockets weren't shooting the greatest. Um, you know, one it point. Felt at, great. One point at halftime. And then, I mean, things just get out of hand and the Wolves kind of crawl into the fetal position and and lay down and die and <laughs> I mean that's oh, that's really what it was you know no no Tyus for swelling in his knee he was held out for precautionary reasons uh, Jeff T got a little banged up you could see his finger was taped and uh, it kind of affected him he went one for seven on the night two points uh, Wiggins 14 points Towns 22 uh, Derek Rose, 17 again, a great night. Jimmy with 19, but Gorgie with three. Um, you know, I mean, it, just overall, we didn't see the spirited energy that we saw in game three and the first half of game four. It's like basically the Wolves went into the locker room and all that oxygen was sucked and out I of took there. took a nap and just. And they came back off. lifeless. It's tough, you know. We were down by over 30 points in the third quarter. And make no mistake about it, this was a historic event. This was the most points scored in an NBA playoff third quarter in NBA history. The last team to do it was, I think, a 85 Lakers team. They got 49. The Wolves come by with the 50-cent piece. And the Rockets... It just never stopped. The thing that amazes me about a run of this magnitude, Kevin, and for such a sustained period of time, is they were never able to stem the tide. 
it, it got ugly, you know, when it was an 11 to 2 run. It got ugly when it was like 19 to 5. It just never stopped. Well, and here's the thing, too, Aaron. They shot 37% from three and 43.5% from the field total. Those aren't stellar numbers. But when you put up. 43 three-pointers in a game and you make 16 you put up 92 field goals and you make 40 then yeah you're gonna have a high scoring game Mm -hmm. but those percentage numbers don't scare me it's just the 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 quantity of shots I thought early on even when you know going back to the first half when we were playing the team tight the Rockets that is Ariza was getting some open looks. I did not like some of the defensive possessions we had. I thought we had some major lapses, Yep. which we were lucky that we could have had the lead because we were playing good, but we're lucky to only been down one. Going into the third, what you talk about, the percentages aren't off the charts. The volume is, is what's crazy. We were cold. They were hot. It just happened for an entire quarter, a 50-cent piece, Kevin. Yeah. Let's look at Harden. Harden scores 36, and the 119-110 victory, it's deflating. You know, Katz quoted after the game, talking about how they need to move on. I think, Kevin, you have that quote. And, And he's also said that they just have to keep their edge for all 48 minutes. And I want to just quickly address that. Has everybody been saying this, you know, since they were like 14 years old? Of course, you play the game, you have to keep your edge for the whole game. That goes without question. The thing that I want to speak on is how difficult, easier said than done, this actually is, right? Having Carl Anthony Towns, the number one pick of an all-star, tell you, hey, we got to keep our edge, that he wasn't able to keep his edge for 48 minutes, goes to show you how difficult this game truly is. These guys are supremely talented, and they make it look easy, Kevin. But you can't make any mistake about what that Rockets team does to you. That third quarter, they got hot, they broke their spirit, and that's exactly what happens. Overall, the percentages, it looks fine. I think you, you look at the box score, you can say, hey, they could have been in this game. But when you watch the game, you know it's a completely different story. The Rockets sucked all the life of a target center. I mean, we could barely watch the game anymore because it yeah. just... You, you it, it drains the life out of you. It drains the fun out of you. It's tough. It's very tough. And you get what I call hero ball. You get the next guy that thinks, hey, I, I could be the spark. And that's just how it is. got to try that. But it, the problem is, is it compounds itself. It goes to the next guy, to the next guy, to the next guy. They never make it happen. You know, yep. Five guys deep on not making it happen, and you're down 18. See, and, and here's the thing. Wiggins, Towns. Teague, Crawford, whoever can talk about, you know, we have to we have to take this game, throw it away, get past it, move on and look to the next one. But the teams that are going to succeed in the NBA are the teams that can actually do that. And that's what I want to see out of this Timberwolves team in game five. I don't necessarily need to see a win here. I've said from the beginning, getting to the playoffs was step one of the dream. Show that you can win a game or two. You're going against a Rockets team that's obviously the best in the Western Conference. They can put up 50 pieces and quarters with ease. 
This is this is a team that's in another echelon above the Timberwolves. So go out, win a game, maybe win two, make you know surprise people. But opportunities to grow as a player and as a team are incredibly valuable and this is one of those opportunities is to see how the wolves bounce back in quarter one quarter two of game five i'm not necessarily looking for a win but i want to see a fire lit under these guys because they got blown out at home by this rockets team they got embarrassed by this rockets team and so it's how they answer in game five that's going to be the true test of this team down the road i like that a lot kevin and i think you're spot on in that regard that the learning lessons are available the reaction is what we're looking for and i want to talk about coaching really quick during this rockets run i would have been all for coach thibs to simply burn all his timeouts to stem that lead to nothing greater than like 15 or 18 because guess what if you're down by 30 it's over anyways, and all yep. the timeouts in the world aren't going to save you. I would have liked to seen them chisel at that. You know, hey, it gets to 6-7. I would have I would have called timeout before it got to 8-0. I, because at, at the first two baskets, the five, it didn't look like the Wolves had their pedal in the middle. I would have called a timeout right there. And here's the thing that I'm looking for going forward kevin is coaching execution i want to see him take a time out recognize that hey this is doesn't look like us right now i need to check this because the wolves had had a fair lead for a little bit in the second quarter they weren't able to hold on to that and then now you see the rockets take the advantage you need to stem that tie right there and then guess what you come out of timeout and they're not playing good and, and since say now instead of being down five now you're down 11 another timeout yep. keep that thing slow because they need to come out of a timeout and execute a play that can get them a bucket you cannot be going on a 30 to 7 run or whatever the heck it was it's it just unacceptable you got to coach the team you got to use the timeouts that are available i get it it's not in the you know parameters of when the appropriate time mathematically it is to call a timeout but guess what that none of that matters if your team is out there flopping around getting spanked going down 20 30 points on a run you gotta call the timeouts and so i got i got i got a i got a, I got a thibs quote for you okay let about me see that it. Uh, Thibs on not burning through a bunch of timeouts in the third. Yeah, no kidding, huh? I used one, and, you know, I thought we'd respond a little bit better, but we didn't. In that, to me, yeah, Page one of the of the Thibsism book, right there. That's unacceptable, and I get it. That's exactly what happened. He is completely correct, but the point that he completely sweeps under the rug there is that what should have came was, in hindsight, we should have done more. Or now, after seeing that play out, we probably should have took another one or two or three, whatever it takes to not go down 30, right? And call a play that can be executed out of timeout and execute that play. Get the bucket. I'm so sick of seeing turnovers out of timeouts, Kevin. It just drives me nuts. I'm sick of seeing bad shots out of timeouts. This is not the time in the season to be 
having those simple things, the things you very basically rehearse and practice, not be played out to the T in the game. It's unacceptable at this time of season. It really is done. Or, or, I don't want to be too harsh, but that's just really how I feel. No, it's it, it's completely uh, necessary at this point in time because we have to ask ourselves: Is Thibs the guy that? will lead us to the promised land of our first NBA championship. But these are also the learning lessons that you talked about. As much as I didn't see some of the execution that I wanted to, I do look forward to seeing it improve the next game. And wouldn't that be something? If the coach, you want to talk about a preview, if the coach can coach us to a victory in game five, that would be a nice feather in the cap in the season because say you come back and you lose another tough one on home court, which you hope doesn't happen, you know, heaven, you might force a game seven, you know, if you can if you can piece it all together. It's going to be tough. Game five, Kevin, I'm not going to lie. That could be the end of it right there very easily. You know, if you're Rob Hess and you were betting all kinds of money on parlays and doing this, that, and the other thing in Vegas on games because you know basketball, you probably put a lot on the Rockets, right? It's not a risky bet, but the, but the Rockets – the way they play tonight, now you're going back to their home court, could be all she wrote for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, that, and that's the scary thing is we didn't see this really from the Rockets. We saw it a little bit in game two, but even you know game one, game three, we didn't really see this from them. And the fact that they can turn on a switch whenever they want to is incredibly scary. Uh, Aaron, your prediction for game five, do you think the Timberwolves come out and win game five in Houston? I don't think so. I, I don't know... If we have the consistency, I haven't seen it. You know, we played great in game three, but that team is so more seldom than the team that's probably going to end up losing, which is going to be, you know, play for a little bit. We're probably going to get hit with a run. We can't sustain it. It's about when it happens. You know, tonight, um, or excuse me, in game three, the Rockets, we played right into their hands. You know, if yep. they were, if they built a spider web, we flew right into that thing, and there we were, trapped. And that's what the Rockets do to you. I get it, a historic fifty piece. That's not happening again. Okay, let's hope not. Let, um, let's hope not. That's it, it. Could happen again, and it would be with this Rockets team. So let's hope it doesn't happen again. But it could. All right, Aaron, we're going to get into quarter two, which is our talker segment. We're going to break down the rest of the playoffs here and give our predictions for uh, who we think are going to win the first round series. We got a lot of great matchups. Uh, we're going to talk WNBA, the Lynx, celebrating 20 years in the league. We, we've got a lot to talk about on the talker segment. Plus, we have our 2K all day segment and the Howell Hardwood history and can Kevin Cousy. So a lot still on tap for the show tonight. You're not going to want to go anywhere. You're listening. Listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl. Quarter two of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our talkers segment where we're going to cover everything NBA, WNBA, and we're going to start tonight, Aaron, with a playoff look in. Kind of just run over our matchups, who we like in the in the series, and uh, and our thoughts so far. Aaron, let's start in the Western Conference. We're gonna get away from the Wolves Rockets series because we talked about that in the first quarter. 
at length, basically. Yes, of course. Uh, so let's move on to the 4-5 matchup that's actually uh, just about to start here as we're recording. Uh, Oklahoma City, Utah Jazz. This is a fun series to watch. I would say so. And we have had discussions about this. The Utah Jazz rolling into the NBA playoffs they were not a team to be messed with. They came in at a fantastic clip from the defensive end. Their defensive rating was the lowest in the league for a period of time, had a fantastic winning streak in the regular season. No one wanted to be matched up with them. Make Did, no mistake about it. Didn't they win like 14 in a row or something like 15, that at some point? Yeah, I mean, just a ridiculous number. Potato, potato. You and know? if you look at the starting five, you initially thought that when the Jazz lost Gordon Hayward, they lost any chance of making the playoffs. And you get Rudy Gobert, who is a defensive standout, in my opinion, defensive player of the year, no question. Uh, you got Derek Favors, who is incredibly good at what he does. He's not he's not, he's not top tier, but he's very good at what he does. And then they re-sign Joe Ingles, which phenomenal. They somehow draft the steal of the 2018 draft. In, or 2017 draft, sorry, in Donovan Mitchell. And then who's their point guard over there in Utah? I just, I, I, I tend to forget. Yeah, you, you do know him. His, his name is Ricky Rubio. There he is right there. And oh, game God. three had 26 points, nine for 18 from the field, triple double for Rubio, 11 boards, 10 assists. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll say it first here. I am incredibly happy that we get to see playoff Ricky Rubio. And not just that, but we get to see him play well. I have been a Ricky, o, a Ricky Rubio fan from the beginning. I have said that this team needed Ricky Rubio and that we did not need a scoring point guard. I do love Jeff Teague. He has grown on me a lot over the course of this year. Don't get me wrong. But Ricky was the guy that I wanted to start. And uh, it's really good to see him getting meaningful minutes, playing in a meaningful playoff series, and getting into the head of Russell Westbrook, basically. That's good for you, Kevin. You know, I feel like you should, you know, you get the warm glow from it, right? I mean, there's a lot of Rubio love, and I, I give a lot what you're saying. Rubio wanted the playoffs badly, right? There was a lot of frustration. His time here ran, of course, I couldn't agree with you more on simply saying it's nice to just see a guy succeed. Yep. He he gave what he could give on the court, uh, played his heart out at Target Center, a lot of very good games with him, and all the success in the world. Like you said, Donovan Mitchell, he's a stud. The Jazz are phenomenal. They've won the last two games in the series. They're now up 2-1. The Thunder need a response. Otherwise, they're in deep trouble. Okay? And Russell Westbrook is the guy that's going to, you know, it's going to be in his break. hands. It's make know? or break. I mean, really. We saw in game three that but look at Mitchell. When, he doesn't, when he doesn't play well, the, the, the Thunder aren't going to win. You know, Donovan Mitchell's averaging 25.7 points in the series. And what is it, like nine rebounds a game? Yeah, he's... That's his, effort. That's his energy. athleticism. I mean, everything about him is just ridiculous and and props to the jazz for finding the gem oh he, he he's good let's let's dive into another match well, let's Kevin. let's let's get your prediction well, okay you want my prediction i want your prediction here okay jazz are up 2-1 i'm worried about the thunder here i really am boy oh boy i want to say jazz take it in 6 
but it might be five. I'm going to, I'm going to agree there. I'm going to say the jazz do take it, but I don't, I don't see this going to seven. I really have a tough time seeing it go to six, but I could see it. If the jazz win here and go up three, one at home. OKC with that last hurrah. And then it goes back to Utah. Utah wins either five or six, but Utah wins this series handily for me. Um, Let's go to the first series that's actually done. This one I have, I'm just, I'm astounded on. The 6-3 matchup, Portland Trailblazers, the three seed, New Orleans Pelicans, the six seed. Aaron, this wasn't, this wasn't four games of close basketball. This wasn't pretty, there was pretty, I mean, but there were a couple of these games that were just stunner blowouts and it never, and it didn't go the way we thought. I mean, the, the New Orleans Pelicans found the right time to be hot and drew holiday is looking like a a first team, all defense candidate with, with how he's playing in this playoff. Well, he's certainly giving that effort, Kevin, the Pelicans are simply a team that's found its groove of any team in the NBA. We talked about the jazz being hot. The Pelicans can be in that conversation as being equally as hot. Anthony Davis is playing for true first team, all defense. If you were to pick a guy right now playing in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis would likely be the best overall player right now in the playoffs. Yes. It's impressive what he's doing in the absence of DeMarcus Cousins. And I, for one, can admit I did not see it go this well. Drew Holiday is playing stellar basketball. Rondo is playing fantastic basketball. As a team, the Pelicans are playing fantastic because you have Miritich, the coach. I mean, and they're they doing this, jealous. and they're doing this without Demarcus Cousins. And I think a lot of people, myself included, when the Pelicans went down, my first thought was at that point was, well, perfect. That's another team out of the Western Conference race for the Wolves to be able to get in the playoffs and hold their spot. And they didn't falter. They played really well down the stretch. And you've got your leader in, in Anthony Davis, hands down. No doubt, Kevin. And thank you all for listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is the how we are deep into the talkers. Actually, not so deep. I'd say we are in the shallow end now that I think about it. But we're pre- previewing the Pelicans Blazers. We know it was a sweep. They got the brooms out. Kevin, predictions going forward, they're going to end up either playing the Spurs or the Warriors. Do you feel comfortable taking a stance? I think it's probably safe. Maybe this is a good transition into that Warriors. Yeah, let's 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 get into that, because I want to do I want to touch on that New Orleans matchup with whoever I think they're going to they're going to face. And the the team I think they're going to face is the Golden State Warriors. I think it's going to be a rough go. I don't think it's going to be in five. I think it's going to be in six or seven that Golden State wins, but I think ultimately Golden State does. And here's the reason why. Without Steph Let Curry, without Steph Curry, this team isn't missing its identity. They're not a different team. They're not, you know, they don't have to rely on something else because their star player is out. Steph Curry's out. There's still no timetable really for his return. There's reports saying that he'll miss the second round completely at this point. Whether or not that actually happens remains to be seen, but with Durant, Klay Thompson, Draymond, 
You know, Quinn Cook coming off the bench is huge. Nick like Young, him, don't you? Uh, Sean Livingston. I, I love Quinn Cook. Yeah, you're just going down the roster now. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, but that but that's the team. They, you deep. can go down the right. roster, totally. and they're, they're so deep. And so losing Steph Curry does not change the makeup of this team. It does not change their identity. Like you know, if if the Cavs lost LeBron James to injury. That would very, change. Well, very true. That would change the identity of the Cleveland Cavaliers immensely, and there's other teams in the NBA that are 100 percent like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the Warriors get the job done, but the Pelicans offer a unique challenge to the Golden State Warriors. Drew Holiday matching up on a guy like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, or Zaza or Javale McGee having to battle Anthony Davis, and then a, a red hot Nikola Mirotic. That's going to be tough. I can see this going into six or seven games, and I could even see the Pelicans, if they stay as hot as they are, maybe sneaking that one out from, uh, from Golden State. Now, it's obviously going to be tough, you know, tougher, easier said than done, but it could happen. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Golden State-San Antonio matchup, Aaron? Well, I think the Warriors have this in the bag. I'm surprised the Spurs actually pulled off the Game 4 win in as handily as they did. I, I would have figured the Warriors would have wanted to simply um, wrap things up, get rested up for really what you described, Kevin, as a, a very tough series upcoming against the Pelicans. And I couldn't agree more. I think the Warriors will move on from the Spurs. And then this Pelicans team... Drew Holiday, if if Curry returns, is that the guy you want to face right now? I just cannot imagine that as Plan One A. Um, with that being said, you know he's going to have a matchup advantage in his favor. I'm talking about Holiday. I can see the Pelicans exploiting that, and if Rondo gets going and he's dishing, it, I think some oh. some foul. Consideration should be looked at with Zaza. I think he's going to be his best, the best defender for um, Davis because he's more physical. He he makes it hard to get around. I, I still think Davis is on a whole like another oh, well, another I mean, another atmosphere he yeah, than, he is. than Zaza. Where I mean, even even the physicality of Zaza won't match up with with Anthony. But, but who on the Warriors guards him then outside of that? That's the thing. I don't you know. I don't get, know that can somebody get can. McGee, and I think he can get McGee in foul trouble. And a handful of, of minutes and Zaza, I think, will put up the best fight. Well, I mean, we'll see. The yeah. series is to be determined yet. We're, we're banking on the, them moving on from the Spurs, of course, but odds are in their favor. This uh, this Jazz Thunder game getting very chippy in Game Five early, a seven to four score at the at the point here, and it's getting super super chippy. I love this. This is this is playoff basketball. And speaking of chippy, Aaron, we're gonna move right into the East and a series that is getting really chippy as well, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers and Miami Heat. We're seeing. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, Joel Embiid beef. We're seeing Marco Bellinelli, Goran Dragic beef. Um, these Justin teams, Winslow. These teams don't like each other, and that's that's I think one of the big things that that playoff basketball has really been missing for the last few years. The Philadelphia 76ers bring it, bring it, and they don't really care who you are. They're just doing them. Embiid really is embodying the team. His chemistry, his character, it's bleeding through onto the rest of the players. 
they're talented and yep. they're big with Sarich. And and even JJ Reddick, JJ Reddick's a lethal shooter. He's always moving. He's not a, he's not scared of any physicality. They're balling in Philly. Okay, don't sleep on the 76ers. They could easily end up in the Eastern Conference Finals given a proper path in execution. Yeah, and uh, you know I've I've said very early on that the Sixers are one of my favorite teams in the East. And what I really like is Joel Embiid talks mad garbage, but he backs it up. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's it's it's one thing to sit here on Instagram and troll all of your opponents. But it's another thing to, to, to go in night in and night out and back it up. And so Joel Embiid, you've got Dario Saric, you've got... Bringing J.J. Redick, you've got Ben Simmons, you've got Robert Covington. This is a very talented team, and it's a younger core of guys that are going to make a run for a really long time. And the Miami Heat, bless them, when you know getting D Wade back. That's that's great. I, I love D Wade. I love yeah, what he's done for the team. Some epic moments. He had a major game. You know, they, they just they ran into the wrong team at the wrong time. Yeah, of course. It, but so I'm going to say Philly's already up three one. They win it in game five. Not even close. I think they close out most definitely, Kevin. Yep. It, it's without a question. So let's move on to the uh, the the bracket below. The team that they would be facing uh, is the two seven matchup, which is the Milwaukee Bucks. And Boston Celtics. This is a fun matchup, Aaron. I, I, I mean, all four games have been pretty close, very entertaining. We've gotten a lot of, you know, trickery, as the common man would like to say, skullduggery. You're, you're getting a little bit of everything in this series, and it's a very contested, evenly matched series. The Celtics in Bucks are like a match made in playoff heaven in in terms of the matchups because you know, think about the relationship between Bledsoe and Rozier. Those guys really don't like themselves. In terms of characters on a basketball court, that's like oil and water. Yeah. Those guys are never going to get along. Just kind you can tell the way they play the game and you know, Morris is playing good. The guy that always surprised me is uh, was it Aaron Baines? I mean, that guy's yeah. huge. Yeah. And, but he plays a. I like the brand of basketball he plays. And and you got to look at Giannis because I think he looks at the game at a different level. I could see him easily looking at this as this is a you know legacy moment for him. He's on this um, unbelievable transcendence to the top, and if he can come in as the seven seed and knock off the mighty Celtics. And I, I understand we're not talking about the burn era Celtics, but the Celtics in terms of legacy means something from us from a small market. Yep. Giannis leads that charge, takes them down, moves the bucks on. He's got the support from Chris Middleton. Middleton is lights out from the field. He's he's having a fantastic series. And guys like I know you like the blue collar, the the gritty guys, Della Dova, even Brogdon's bringing it on. Malcolm Brogdon has played really well this season. And this is on return from injury, might you? Yep. You know, so he's just getting back in the groove. If they move on to the second round, boy, a matchup. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a great matchup Bucks, to see. 76ers, sign would, me up. Would you agree that the playoffs this year have been better than 
years past. Yes. I've enjoyed these a, a tremendous amount. There, I mean, there's some just amazing stuff. The Wolves, you know, winning as an eight seed. You know, the eight seed has had a couple wins already. And I mean, you have the Bucks challenging as a seven. Yep. It's just really cool. Six seed beating a three seed in the, in the on West. A, on a sweep. On a sweep, yeah. And then moving on to the 4-5 matchup, you've got a young team like the Indiana Pacers taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. This Pacers team, you know, it, it, it's interesting because you look at they've they've acquired a lot of guys by by draft or by trade. You know, you look at uh, Demontis Sabonis was sent to them on on draft night. You look at Thaddeus Young, uh, Bogdanovich, Oladipo, Collison. Uh, really, the only starter that's been on that squad is Miles Turner, and they look like a hodgepodge team kind of the, the the island of misfit basketball players and here they are a five seed competing with and frustrating the lebron james led cleveland cavaliers well and as you said kevin before we started recording you had mentioned how you know the pacers had came to target center and and beat the wolves and we kind of left that game thinking well geez how did that happen and as the season played out, you know, I even remember recording the episode the following week with you and we're like, boy, they're really not as bad as you kind of you thought by losing Paul George. It was all over. But talk yep. about bouncing back on your feet. The Pacers just had a tremendous opportunity to go up three one against the Cavs. The King, LeBron James was not having any of it. He went and he willed that team to victory. And and that's that's what LeBron James does. And that's why if you're the Pacers, I felt like there was a moments they could have just stopped some momentum. They could have capitalized. They had the chance to win that game. They really did. But the Cavs were just too much for them. And, and really, Kevin, I see the Cavaliers moving past this. I think they get the win in Cleveland, and I think they can close out on the road. LeBron James definitely can close out on the road. I, I, I will not bet against him in a closeout game, especially in the first round. You know, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Oh. I, think, uh, I, I think the Cavaliers, to me, represent a strategy that I implore on NBA 2K18. Which is what? Which is year after year, you make a bunch of trades, you bring in players you think are going to help to try to make it to the playoffs, but chemistry is an issue. You have your one superstar, but chemistry is an issue, and you're going to get close, but no cigar. And I think that represents the Cavaliers. Look at you know trading for for Rodney Hood and and Larry Nance and or Larry Nance Jr. Sorry, and all of these guys at the deadline. Yeah, they're talented players, but there's no chemistry. There's no, you know, yeah, you can go out there and, the, you know, the team's wearing all the same suit and blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> you're not buying that? I'm not buying it at all. I think there is some trouble in Cleveland, and I think the Pacers are that young, scrappy team right now that can move in and uh, and shock the world and, and take care of business and win. Now, it's going to be six or seven games. Um, I think it's going to be probably seven games before we see the Pacers pull it off. But I think that the Pacers will shock the world and uh, and take the win. Whew. Man, if you're right, I wish we were playing the Howls. You know what I was thinking about the other day? We haven't done those in a long time. Yeah, and, and for those just tuning in, I mean, this is – 
The Howl. So we do The Howls, which is our predictions game show. We place a point wager on the predictions. One, I'm going to I'm going to have to revisit that yeah. here during the week and see kind of where we're at point wise. Yeah. I'm curious. But just just, so you know, nothing but net channel dash radio. This is the number one Timberwolves show. Thank you for listening. And Kevin, we will do the howls. And I want perfect. I want to know where we're at in the standings with that, because we yeah. had a ton of preseason and early regular season predictions. Cause I was leading the way early on. Well, but you had the most very short term Rob and I went, yeah, for some you guys did go more like full season swingers, like three or four point type of questions. So I, I, I would be very interested. I'm, I'm really that. curious. We'll have to As see Kevin frantically turns to the computer to look it up. Um, Let's get back on playoffs. I didn't mean to divert. No, no, no. It's fine. So, so um, we also we also didn't get predictions on the Boston Milwaukee series. Your your thoughts quickly on that before we move to the last. Oh, matchup. I thought I made it clear. I thought Milwaukee was going to win. You're going Milwaukee. Because I'm actually. I was, didn't I talk about like Bucks playing the 76ers? You said it would be cool to see, but you didn't <laughs> oh, say okay. for sure. So I'm, well, I'm there with cool. you. It's, I'm it's there cool with you 100%. Okay. So, yeah, there it is. Bucks. And if you want a number, I'm going to say in six. I think they can come back and win all four. Oh, boy, I shouldn't say that. It's probably seven. Ugh. It's it's going to be one of those, like, seven-game series, and I think that's the closest that it will honestly be. Okay. So you're happy now? We fact-checked that. Very happy. Okay. Cavs Pacers, you disagreed with me, and and that's yes. okay. But I just can't bet against the King. So we got the Pacers moving on, and now the last matchup in the Eastern Conference is the Washington Wizards as the eighth seed taking on the Toronto Raptors and the number one seed. It is two two as we uh, as we head back to Toronto. What do you like the most? I think the fact that John Wall has stepped up, that's the most fascinating thing to me. I'm not going to make too much on the Raptors blowing first round playoff series, even though, I mean, we've seen it. I think they've been matched up against tough teams at tough times, and they, they get after it. The, the Raptors, I mean, they're the one seed for a reason. You know, they played a great regular season. Can they back it up in the playoffs? That's what we want to see. We haven't seen it yet. Kyle Lowry, he's been there. There hasn't been this playoff Kyle Lowry. DeRozan, stud, fantastic player. He's doing what he does. Serge Ibaka's filling in. The Raptors are doing it. We wanted to know what the Wizards were going to do. I can't believe they're an A seed. You know, we have a show on the Nothing But Net channel that covers wizard centric basketball only. It's every week, it's on the channel. You got to check it out. And we had them on just a couple weeks ago. The Wizards were in town for a regular season game. We wanted to know what was up with them. Yep. Wall was coming off an injury. Beal was playing fantastic. But at the same time, Guys like Gortat, it's like, why is he not playing? It, it, we couldn't from afar really make out what was the true identity. But now you're starting to see it, Kevin, and, and they're looking good in the playoffs. Is a reason when they tied up the Series 2-2? There really is. And, you know, there was a lot of team riff 
that was in the news about John Wall uh, when he was injured. You know, Gortat and Beal and Porter and whatnot, and were those guys really a team? But, you know, if, if they hate each other, you'll honestly never know at this point because they have each other's backs and they're playing really well in Washington and they're doing enough to get the job done. Toronto, you've got the whole playoff Kyle Lowry thing that's still a thing for some reason. DeMar DeRozan's playing well. Serge is playing well. But but there's, can the Wizards pull it off, Kevin? I'm eight gonna, beating a one. I'm, it seems very likely if there was an opportunity. I'm going to be gutsy here and predict an 8-1 upset. Wow. Washington in seven over Toronto. So the Cavs oust get ousted by the Pacers and yep. the Wizards move on. So, so Pacers Washington in the second round and then uh, uh, Philly Milwaukee as the other matchup. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can just I can see it now, Aaron. And it's a glorious thing. By Kevin it is a glorious thing. Don't hate it. I think the Raptors pull this off. I mean, had, I'd be okay with that too. I, I like the Raptors. I don't have anything against the Raptors. I just think it's Washington's time to kind of make an upset, make a name for themselves, make make some waves in the puddle. You know, I had not seen many Raptors games, and Jakob Pertl, I kept hearing he was having a good season, and now that I've seen him play three times in a row, that's that's the how many games I've seen of this series. Um, he is really good, and what a find for them because I'm not quite sure if they want to keep Valanciunas, and I know Serge is a, a, a rock for them, you know. So they need that five to come through, and he feels just like that player. So I think that was a a, a slam dunk, a excellent pick by the by the franchise. I think Pirtle is a difference maker. And I just think DeRozan is at a stage in his career where he's he's ready for this. He's been in a couple series. Yep. Lowry is playing some phenomenal basketball. He lit the Timberwolves up the last time he was at Target Center. And I think they pull this one off. I think they can get it going. I think they win game five, and I think they can close it out on the road. I think they have what that takes, even though I fully expect a fight from the Wizards. It's going to be a fun series for sure, okay. and we'll uh, we'll go through and, and cover the second round and the finals and and whatnot as uh, as the playoffs move along. But Aaron, you found an article, and it's one hundred percent brilliant in my opinion. Uh, Bleacher Report uh, made this article uh, and titled it "One Starter Every NBA Team Must Replace This Summer." Interesting, isn't it, it? it? It's really interesting. And so, you know, it's basically, you know, all 30 NBA teams want to get better. Um, and so they go through and give their reasoning why, you know, they think that players should be moved during the season. So, for example, uh, the Toronto Raptors, two guys that we both just talked about, Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, getting moved this offseason but obviously we're a minnesota timberwolves radio show so we're going to talk about the guy that bleacher report picked for the minnesota timberwolves and why drumroll i can't do it i we don't have a little drummer that's fine unfortunately you don't have a little drummer in your pocket you can't I don't, pull him oh, i man. don't uh Next time. but the the player that bleacher report says that we should get rid of or the starter that we should get rid of andrew wiggins did they have a reason, Kevin? They do. People uh, want to know the reason. I could tell you why I don't think that's a good choice. 
So they're, they're, I don't really know if I can tell you I think it's a good choice. So their reasoning here is Wiggins' free throw accuracy hit a career low in 17-18, yes. and he got to the line less often than ever. Outside of occasional flashes, his defense was ineffectual. His VORP ranked third to last on the team, and his minus 2.5 box plus minus was 10th on the Wolves. He was a negatively impactful player by every reasonable measurement available. Okay. And he's making $146.5 million starting next year. There's some truth to that. Let's not forget, he's played fantastic in the playoffs, but there was a stretch here that it was it was a rough patch. Very Let's call rough. It that. Um, that's not Andrew's style. I think the guy's a scrapper. I think he's going to keep getting better. I don't see why you'd want to give up on him. I understand that's a ton of money. And in days like that where it just doesn't feel like he's earning his keep, you got to stick with him. And I think it's a long-haul thing, especially given the fact that you can pair him up with a, with a core for a period mm-hmm. of time. I think that's going to do wonders. I'm very much in the camp of looking forward to what Andrew can work on and develop in the offseason. You know, Let's face it, he's going to get better. He's not going to get worse. I think having guys like Cat and, and Butler around him are simply going to help him you know, develop as a player. And I think you're seeing some of that in the playoffs. Yeah, playoff Andrew Wiggins is definitely a thing, and I am a fan of playoff Wiggins. And I think it's, it's great for him and for Cat to get this playoff experience, even though nights like tonight where we're getting blown out and game two where we're getting blown out because they can, they're learning what it takes to be on that upper echelon and what you need to do and what you need to do well. And so I would say it's, it's still too early to move a guy like Andrew Wiggins. It's too early to write him off unless you can get a guy like Kawhi Leonard for Andrew Wiggins and not really give up anything else, which I don't see as a realistic possibility. So let's keep Andrew Wiggins. Let's keep him growing and see what he can turn out to be. And and maybe he'll be worth way, way more than the 146 and a half that we're paying him. Yeah. I, I mean, some valid points to that, Kevin. What I'm interested in is as we sift through this list, and again, this is us going over a recent Bleacher Report article. It really is sort of a let's kick the can around the room type of article. It gets you talking, and that and that's exactly what it did. Kevin and I got to thinking the Sixers is interesting, and you know, I look at other teams like you know we just talked about the Raptors. Sure enough, Valanciunas, Abaca is their two choices. I, like I just said. In the playoff recap, I think Podol is the perfect replacement if that's what they want to do and move on from that player. And Ibaka, I think, sticks, and that's probably why they listed those two. Um, Do you want to know my interesting one on here? And I I don't even know if it's interesting. I feel like I should pick a second one, but maybe I'll start with this. Was the Mavericks, because they said, get rid of Dirk. So it doesn't make sense to me. Right. It really, it really, honestly doesn't make sense because Dirk has been with the been with the Mavs from the beginning. He's got a year left in the league. Why would the Mavericks get rid of him in his last year? Let Dirk go through the retirement tour like Kobe did. Let him, you know, play 15, 20 minutes a game and and whatnot, and and help a guy that the Mavericks are going to draft 
grow because the Mavericks need to get a big man. I mean, they need a lot of help everywhere, but they need to find Dirk's replacement. And why not spend the last year of Dirk helping, you know, this the the new rook learn about all of the Dirkisms. It's just oh, the Dirkisms. We it, had a Kevinism. It just it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's uh, that's a horrible choice. Well, it's it seems like kind of a cop out too because he would be also your most blatant choice if you were to look at the Mavs. I would say Harrison Barnes would be my my pick, but whatever. Um, Dirk. You just got to let him play. He's got an understanding with Cuban. Let, let's face it. That's how it is. I mean, he's going to play there, and if he wants to hang it up, he can hang it up. They clearly have a different plan than that. Okay, are you ready now, Kevin? I'll give you my my one most surprising team that's on this list with player. Are you ready? Go ahead. Fake drum roll. I don't, I don't know if I, I think we may be on the same page. There's no way. I, I would be shocked. Okay. Charlotte Hornets, Kemba Walker. That's what? not who I had. I would. Did you just like kitty cry? What yeah, I, I could because I could see it happening. <laughs> what? This is crazy talk. Kemba Walker's a, a top point guard in the NBA. He is. And to get rid of him, I don't think his contract is overly abundant, like crazy where it's like, oh, this is a horrible value. The, the Hornets aren't a playoff team. So why are you why are you paying a top five point guard? Where are you going to find another guard like that? You already have him on your team. So you're going to go sift through and try to find other positions that are better. Rebuild stock draft picks. Get young players. Yeah. It, get rid of everybody but Kemba Walker. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I like Malik Monk. I don't like Dwight. I don't, I'm not a big, like, I mean, most of that roster needs to be turned over. Yeah, somebody has to have Dwight on a roster, which is crazy. Yeah, that's really sad. Um, but I, I Dwight I, Howard got Kemba Walker moved out of Charlotte. Is that what you're saying? I actually, I actually like Kemba getting moved because I think Kemba deserves to play for a franchise that can win an NBA title. Like the Timberwolves. That'd I'll be take a, him. <laughs> sign me a up. Perfect fit. He would honestly, and I talked about this, Kevin, how many times have I brought it up? I think he is the perfect player for this team. I think he crushed in the pick and roll. He's athletic. We he wanted remi- Kemba so bad on this squad. Right? We I talked mean, about that all offseason. Okay. Do you want to talk about the Sixers is, and well, then, me, and then I, one other? Can I do mine first, and then we'll talk about the Sixers okay. on here? You do. You say Kay. whatever you want, man. I'm going to read you this paragraph. I want to see if you can guess. You, okay. Guessing game. I love it. So this player faces a grueling recovery from one of the most debilitating, athleticism-sapping, career-altering injuries. You will know. also like have massive salary yes, demands yes. and unrestricted free agency. Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousins. Yes, the Pelicans should not get rid of DeMarcus Cousins. If they can get him for the right price in free agency and not have to overpay, DeMarcus Cousins makes sense on this team because him and Anthony Davis are a killer one-two punch. What about Anthony Davis and Mircic? Nikola Mirotic. I like Mirotic as well, but they brought They're him in. They, they traded for him before Boogie went down. I understand that. So, Cousins gone. Is it simply just if it's not a max contract, you'd be willing to take him? It's like something just a little bit less than a max contract. Because I just I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I can't see him requesting anything less than that. I can't either. But I just I think it would be a smart decision for Boogie to say, hey. Sign me to a you know longer term deal, and 
I'll take a little bit less money. Let's go get some more key players and let's go win us a ship. Well, that would be a first. I, I haven't Absol- seen it. Oh, definitely I would. I haven't seen that side of But I, th- I think we've seen a little bit of a change in Boogie. No, I, I'm without a question. I will admit to that. I'm just saying I haven't seen like this fiscal responsibility to the team's salary cap. Ever from him but he's never Really been in this position either yeah, so He really hasn't I, I, I shouldn't even Have said it because it's really not saying much But Cousins I would say if the Money is right of course you'd want to keep Him but if the plan Is otherwise I will tell you this Kevin This I know for certain it will Be very telling what the Pelicans If they decide to keep them It's going to be somewhat shocking Like wow yeah. they have a plan They were a great team that that Got hot and made it into the playoffs And now they just brought back Cousins They must be up to something Or if Cousins hits the road Maybe that's telling them what they think Of his future performance Right? Which I mean and that's the thing is Or I guess maybe times change and and the roster Changes a little bit but Oh that's a good one Kevin I like that one. Thank you Uh, The one kind of Cop out that this article takes if Outside you will. of the Mavs Outside of the Mavs But this one they actually do back up with some good uh, notes here They say the Philadelphia 76ers starter that should be traded Yes None of them Of course right Why So that's the squad So keep the yeah keep the squad intact They say uh, um, He goes sorry I'm not seeing a good reason to suggest a shake up for a five man unit that posted a plus 21.4 net rating in 600 minutes of shared court time. That's better than any five man unit produced, even if you cut the sample size to 300 minutes. So basically, they are saying that this team as a just as a whole is incredibly good. They're going to lose J.J. Redick to free agency, but hey, that's okay. Either Markel Fultz will slot in as a good number two, or maybe they'll go out and get LeBron in the offseason, which is a huge possibility. They teed that up in that article? Yeah. What? Yep. They go, maybe LeBron James will take a peek at signing in free agency. Um, This is a Sixers team that's great. I think if the... That guy must know something nobody else knows. Well, you saw the Instagram post from Ben Simmons. Just a shot in the dark. Him and him and LeBron, and he like he posted with like how many days until free agency starts, and the whole like Instagram world went crazy because everybody was thinking that LeBron's going to sign in free agency in Philly. Hmm. You know, Kevin, I'm having so much fun doing this. Can you let me do one more? Go ahead. You sure? I want to do one more after you because I still I have a close one as well that I was on the fence about. I wonder now. I think we might be on the same page. Go ahead. He is a long-haired Spaniard, plays in Utah. Oh yeah, I I I I forgot his name earlier, and it's on the tip of my tongue now. Is it? Ricky Rubio Richard Richard Rubio No The Bleacher Report article has The Jazz Starting point guard Again this is Players that Bleacher Report You know Sort of a can kicker Around talker Is Or which should be traded uh, Off of the starting five For each team And the Utah Jazz I mean how heartless Would that be To send Rubio packing He's like I mean Does anybody want me The guy gives you His heart and soul Just Leads you to the five seed In the the west Chips you know So long Ricky But I think this is interesting You know The Jazz 
I think their chemistry is phenomenal. I wouldn't touch that lineup. If there was ever going to be a cop-out, you know, Kevin just got done talking about the Sixers. Their suggestion was trade nobody, keep it all. The Jazz could easily be in that argument for don't touch it. It's working. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you got to keep that starting uh, uh, starting five handy, especially if you keep uh, keep winning games at the clip that the Jazz were. Uh, my other kind of cop out, if you will, that I'm not. Uh, you just calling people out then, Kevin? I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling teams out. It's it's a little ridiculous in my mind, but uh, it, it makes a little sense. But I think there's other other starters on the team that could get moved first, um, especially if they're trying to uh, maybe save some money, and that's getting rid of Marcin Gorta and the Washington Wizards. Uh, he's played well this postseason, um, and if you look at it, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter will make a combined $70.6 million next year, hmm. and then John Wall's extension will kick in after that. So you can add another, what, 10, 20, 30 million uh, a year onto that, basically. Um, the math just doesn't work out. It, it really doesn't, and... I mean, Markeith Morris is a is a bargain at eight point six million, but I think between Wall, Beal, and Otto Porter, there's one guy that stands out to me that should get moved, and that to me would be Otto Porter. Um, oh, I think there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of teams looking for a wing like Otto Porter. You could get a lot in return, and therefore save a lot of money, so you're not hurting yourself when Wall's extension kicks in. Uh, 2019 2020 season you know what kevin let's let's treat that one as our last because there's another article coming up which i think can be in the running for our howl hot take I, i was i was about to make that one our howl hot take but you got something a little better i think i do and this is a recent article um just about a week ago mankato free press Coach, or excuse me, uh, owner Glenn Taylor, pardon me for the slip up, um, had a little conversation here with the Mankato Free Press. A couple very quote worthy moments in here. Um, one in which is an assessment of Tom Thibodeau's coaching, where Taylor simply suggests that now is not the time, right? Until the season is over. Then you should evaluate, and that's and that's essentially makes sense. I, I agree with that. You know, I don't I don't really make a lot out of it, even though it was highly discussed around Timberwolves Twitter and social media. A very interesting statement by Taylor. I don't really read much into it in regards to um, assessment during the season. He clearly is assessing during the season uh, in regards to a formal sit down about how the season goes. Yes, of course, that's to come. That's not going to happen right now. They're locked into the playoffs. They're trying to play games. Let's face it. That's what's going on. Um, Anything in this article catch your interest, Kevin, in, you know, I don't know outside of that comment if there's really much to make of it it is timberwolves news thus in the talkers segment but that's all i take from it you know it's kind of nice for me to see an article like this come out in the sense of this organization has been so tight-lipped since thibs came in yes like give us just a piece yeah give give us, us give us an inkling and 
you know, it, it's nice to see Glenn Taylor is kind of mirroring what the fans have kind of felt for the last year here with Fibs is that he's not using his bench enough. Uh, Three-point shooting is an issue. Um, defense is an issue. And this is supposed to be a defensive mastermind taking over this team. And you're making him, you know, Pobo, pre, uh, you know, president of, of basketball operations. You're making him the head coach. Um, you're entrusting him with this franchise for the next, you know, I mean, it, the stuff that Thibs does is going to have an effect on this franchise for the next 10 years. It really honestly can. And for for <clears throat> Glenn Taylor to come out and say, you know, we're not going to evaluate right now. Perfect. Makes sense. But this offseason, we're going to take a look. Two years into the Thibs experiment, it's it's really nice. It's refreshing, if you will, to see this kind of thing and to see Glenn Taylor go, well, he got us to the playoffs, but do we really have a feasible chance with Tom Thibodeau to win an NBA championship? Yes, and I couldn't agree more with the fact you said it's nice to have something. It is amazing that we're in an NBA day and age in regards to social media, how much information is out there where Glenn Taylor is the talkative one. I mean, <laughs> let that sink in for a second. Um, you mentioned the bench, Kevin. Taylor is on the record, and this is what he says. He goes, right now, coach only plays three reserves. I'm not sure if that's the answer. I'd rather have a bench where all the guys can come in the game and help you, depending on what the opponents are doing. I can't argue with that. Yep. If you have 15 spots available, if you have 13 spots available, use them all. And use them effectively. If you have a diverse and deep team, there's a reason why the people like the 76ers, because they're deep. Yep. There's a reason why the Warriors are who they are. They're deep. Teams that have depth usually do good. So, I mean, Taylor, I mean, it's a basic statement, right? It can apply to everyone. But it very much speaks to us as we sat for the majority of the year with an empty roster spot. For what reason? I have no idea. Why? I mean, why? Although go? I will say, from a basketball-only standpoint, I like the Derrick Rose signing. He has been a shot in the leg this playoffs of for course. this Timberwolves team. Now, that was. I mean, his play in the playoff has been fantastic. Yep. He's worth worth every dollar in in a basketball sense. Yes. Um, the one thing I, I will say is let's not we're, we're not fully bashing on Tibbs here. No, Tibbs, no, 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 no. Tibbs made quite possibly, in my opinion, one of the best trades in the NBA draft, and signed, in my opinion, the steal of free agency in 2017, and that's Taj Gibson. Interesting. Taj Gibson, to me is this team's true MVP. And you're not going to see it on the stat sheet. You're not going to see it on a nightly basis by the points that he puts up or his rebounds. But Taj's leadership ability, the fact that his defense never falters, he is the most consistent person on this team that plays defense. He is the guy. He's the glue guy, really, honestly is. And for what we signed him for, for who you know, we got him over guys like Amir Johnson, Patrick Peterson, Patrick Peter, Patrick Patterson, 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 My Patrick bad. Peterson's the corner. <laughs> I would I'd say Patrick Peterson on the Vikings. Um, we both looked at each other. I was like, 
He's the what? football player. <laughs> but, I mean, the guys that we could have taken over Taj and where Taj could have ended up and being a contributor in another franchise that's in a playoff push, I am incredibly happy that we have Taj Gibson. He's very selfless. He's very soft-spoken and quiet. But what he does on the court speaks very loudly. It most definitely does. Um I don't really have much to to go left on this article, Kevin. I think um, those two points really sum it up. Um, if if you want to read it, go to the Mankato Free Press. Check it out. Some very interesting um, quotes from the owner. In like Kevin and I said. It doesn't happen often. So this is about as good as it gets in terms of just straight from the source media in regards to Timberwolves talk. Yeah, and it, like I said, and like we've both said, it's nice to, to kind of see inside. Which All right, what's we up next, Kevin? We don't get to see too often. Uh, 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Aaron, 20, 20 years ago, I was in first grade. That's so weird. Kindergarten. End of kindergarten. Right around that time frame. Wow. 20 years ago, the Minnesota Lynx became a franchise. I was getting my my learner's permit driving. Wow, time flies. 20 years ago. But really cool stuff. I mean, what a franchise in 20 years. The accomplishments, the accolades, the players that have came through, the coaches, the organization. I mean, talk about a fantastic job. If you were running the Minnesota Lynx as your own business, let's say convert it to whatever business you may have, talk about this success. Yeah. You know, the WNBA wasn't handed this just here's this script of success. Everything's a guarantee. There was a ton of work, a ton of selfless work. Yep. You know, it's still, I mean, it still continues. That's without saying. But yeah, our, our run's not done, Aaron. Talk about, I mean, talk about how impressive and really proud you can feel. So the, the Lynx have qualified for the WNBA playoffs nine of their 19 seasons. With four championships, they are tied with the Houston Comets for most titles in WNBA history and have won more Western Conference championships than any other franchise. You know, that speaks for itself. And what's crazy is some of the keys to this team, you know, you can go back, you know, whether it was Katie Smith in the original team, you know, Simone Augustus really coming in and creating this era that we all know, Maya Moore entering the fold and really taking on this new era of Lynx where I think she can help transition from Simone, you know, Lindsay Whalen and her impact. You know, we just have Sylvia Falls as the WNBA MVP. I mean, the legacy goes on and on for the franchise. And if you go back to that, what was it, the 1999 draft, Kevin? You know, Katie Smith is a, as a allocation, a transaction from another team. She makes it to the All-Star game five of the first six years. Yeah, basically fell into our lap. And you know, now she's an inductee into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. She's a Hall of Famer that you you know acquired via allocation. A, a fantastic ball player from Ohio State, and a top scorer, an elite scorer in the WNBA. Just amazing stuff. She now, if 
you know, forgive me, Kevin, coach of the WNBA's New York Liberty? Is that correct? I'm, I'm not not too up to speed on my Katie Smith stuff, but that's impressive. Player, now coach. I love to see that transition. Yeah, she was a she was an assistant with the Liberty for three seasons, and then okay. moved into the head I coaching role. I thought I role. remember that. Yep. Okay. So and and I mean this the, the Katie Smith profile player profile if you will i mean started with columbus then the lynx then played overseas then the detroit shock uh, washington mystics seattle storm new york liberty then she became a coach for the liberty and she's still there and uh, she was one of the the pioneers of minnesota lynx basketball i think it just speaks volumes to me that at such a young age really you're already in the naismith hall of fame that just speaks so much volumes to the depth in which she impacted the sport. Here we are 20 years later, and there's a lot more momentum going on for the leagues. The, season, the season's upcoming. I think it's May 12th is the kickoff. Or yeah, that's coming the up of the quick. Season. And I, mean, I didn't mean to say kickoff like NFL, but kickoff to the season. And we have the All-Star game coming to town. We do, and that is coming up very quick. Uh, July 28th already. So, I mean, we're, what, three, four months away already from the from the WNBA All-Star Game, and it's the first time the WNBA All-Star Game has been in Minneapolis. Yes, and they're very much lucky. Um, Ethan Kassan, uh, the CEO of Lynx and Timberwolves, you know, put, was a part of a team that ended up getting the deal done, and it's an amazing it's a perfect time you know the Lynx get to celebrate this season on a brand new court for them they have the renovated target center this is a perfect time to host an all-star game the target center has never looked better i mean i was just telling somebody that i work with the other day you got to get down there they said they were going to go to the playoff game i asked them where they're sitting i was like you are going to love the the new entertainment yep. center and just the vibe, you know, whether it's the in arena hosts, you know, Katie and John hyping up the crowd, um, Mardigan mixing the music and, and Tim Miller handling all the music. It's a total package there. When, it, when the target center is hopping, it's a great place to be. The WNBA all-star game will be lit. I can tell you that I can promise it, book it, whatever you got to do, just make sure you be there. And the reason we bring this up, is tickets are on sale right now. Yeah, tickets to the Verizon WNBA All-Star Game uh, are on sale. You can go to uh, the WNBA website, Minnesota Lynx website, to grab your tickets. Now, in more Minnesota Lynx news, Aaron, uh, the Minnesota Lynx assign five players to the roster, uh, a couple draft picks, a couple free agents. Uh, so they have officially signed uh, Gonzaga forward Jill Barda, who we drafted. That was a that was a trade on draft night. Yes, and former Gopher guard Carly Wagner. Excellent news! Super happy to see that signing. Great story. I I would love to see her compete. Now these are all the training camp signees. This is the training camp roster. There's some players that are still have overseas obligations that won't be in the training camp, but this is. What you're going to look like if you're the Minnesota Lynx, the roster will shrink a little bit. It'll be interesting to see what type of camp the players have and who really stands out. That's the fun part for me at this stage in in the season, whether it's WNBA or NBA, even college is seeing and hearing the stories from the workouts on who's shining, how the players feeling, things they've worked on and really how they physically look. You can tell 
when a player's really putting in the extra effort off the court. So the, the three free agent signings for the Minnesota Lynx, I'm going to give you some uh, some info on them here because okay, they, might, they might be names that you're not familiar with, but uh, hopefully they make some names and, and make some waves here in the WNBA. Uh, first off is, uh, let's see here, Camille Zimmerman. Okay. Uh, six one forward for Columbia University as a senior, averaged nineteen and a half points and ten point two rebounds. What position does she play? Forward. Six one forward. Wow, six one forward. So nineteen and a half points as a senior. How many rebounds is she getting? Ten point two. Oh man. Solid numbers. It's almost cat in a kitten territory. Solid Kevin. numbers. Uh, next up is uh, uh, Viennese Pierre Luis, a six four center from Oklahoma. I say that three times fast. Averaged fifteen point nine points, yep. eight point seven rebounds, and two point six blocks as a senior. Six four, you said. Six four center. Oh, how how much do you weigh? Doesn't say. Uh, doesn't say. Doesn't say. Oh, I'm trying to figure out if she's like a bigger or a you know. I mean, two point like six blocks. That's that's gonna be that's a force to reckon. Yeah, but I don't know if she paint. looks like Joel Embiid or John Henson. You know what I mean? I haven't seen her play, so I'm trying to figure out you know if if we're talking about like a like a big big or like a an athletic big. You know and then I mean? uh, the last one is Jamrice Davis, okay. a six two forward from Fordham, was third in Division One with thirteen point four rebounds per game last season. Drafting some size. So the, the, the list is free agent signings. Yeah, I know. Or excuse me, pardon me, I said draft. Yeah, free agent signings. I mean, some size. Very solid. Very so good we got pickups. Six one, six two, and six four. Yes. Okay. The links are making waves. Well, I think they made it obvious. That's what they're <laughs> looking for. Some interior, some rebounding, some 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 bigs. It's great to see. Great to see. And 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 the big thing too is that with this links roster, I mean Getting a little older, you know, experience is, is there, but you got to get the young puffs in. You got to teach them, you know, the, the tutelage has to be there for the next generation of the Lynx dynasty. Well, it's this is why I said I love this time of year, because as you said, we have some youth coming in, some new players coming in. I always get excited about who is going to be that star that comes out of nowhere or who is going to be just just that spark that you're going to end up needing down the road. The work done now in a basketball season prior to the regular season starting is tremendous because you could be set up for a whole six season of success or put yourself in a position for a strong finish into the playoffs. And that's exactly what the Lynx will be looking for is to get back to the playoffs in defend in repeat as champions. It's what we need to do. What we need to do. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.